Hello, my name is Dylan, and this is the Heroes of Reality podcast, a place where I interview heroes of reality, of life, science, technology, and more, and I share the stories, lessons, journeys, inspiring you to be the hero of your reality. And on today's podcast, I interviewed Adam Goyer. He's got 15 years of experience in finance and technologies with companies ranging from Fortune 500 to early stage ventures and growth. He is currently the founder of Lotus Oak Venture Studios. He's also opening up a nonprofit as well. He considers himself to be a consciousness hacker, psychonaut, and we talk about um, what it is like to actually stay on a mission. How did he define his mission um, of reducing suffering around the world? Um, you know, what were certain aha moments that allowed him to have an ego death, to reduce, to let go of that ego death, to find a new self? and some of the hacks that he does on a daily basis, um, including uh, recruiting his wife uh, to, to collaborate on worthwhile missions. So without any further ado, I'd like to introduce the great and powerful Adam Coy. Hey Adam, thanks for joining me, man. Hey, welcome, good to be here. Yeah, pleasure, this is, this is awesome. Um, so yeah, I mean, so um, I was really excited to have you on the podcast and wrap with you a bit. Um, we both kind of have uh, similar interests and backgrounds um, in, you know, kind of reverse engineering um, thought processes, conscious hacking, ha- conscious hacking, and approaching things from kind of like a systems level design. Um, what I'd be really curious about is because, you know, we met in a unique kind of hiking group situation is, um, you know, how did you get started on the path of this in terms of like what got you interested in consciousness hacking and, and what really kind of like, you know, is that driving force for you to pursue it? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so there was a point some years ago now, more than a few where a, on the top of a mountain that had recently been burned out by fire, a friend introduced me to a large dose of mushrooms. Mm. And he was he was somewhat insistent that this would, would change my life and my perspective on existence. And in hindsight, he was right. It really did. <laughs> it's a bold statement. Yeah. Yeah. I'd I'd been interested in contemplative meditation and kind of subtle energy going all the way back to to college. I had kind of a, what you might, what we describe as a spontaneous awakening event, Mm. where like all of a sudden my normal reality became something different. Um, But, and so after that event, up until that kind of first experience with psychedelics, Mm -hmm. um, I was obsessed about like, longevity and living forever. I was terrified of dying to the point where it was not really helpful. The, the stress was like consuming. And during that experience, I kind of experienced my own, you know, ego dissolution is what you would call it, say now, or mm-hmm. some variant of it. It was terrifying, by the way. Like some people <laughs> have this really like blissful awakening experience. I was f- extremely afraid. Because you're like not in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but after that, like it took me a good six months to kind of integrate from that. Cause I didn't have any like integration. No one was coaching me through it. Yeah. Um, but I realized one day later, I'm like, oh, I'm not obsessing about this anymore. Like I, I just accept life as it is. I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> so before. So- yeah, I was gonna say. So before that, like, I mean, you, I mean, the ego death is like that's. It sounds like a more or less a walk in the park, but you, I mean, you really feel like you're dying. It's a, it's it, a you're you're experiencing your own death. Yeah, yeah. you just you just don't physically die. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, I mean. So it sounds like you, I did. you had a moment from where you were. You had something that happened to you that made you fear death so greatly that you then pursued yeah. it, only to then let it go after going through this kind of spontaneous. Um, awakening. True. Yeah. True. Yeah. What was, if you don't mind me asking, what was what was the the thing that triggered the fear of death that caused you to pursue the path? I don't actually. I don't actually know. Um, I don't. I don't recall it specifically as any particular thing. But it just. Yeah. It's kind of accumulated over time where I just started. It was like. You, yeah. Anyway. It's a general existential angst. 
Yes. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Well said. Well said. <laughs> totally understand that uh, because we all get that. I, I think, especially if you if you have a, a large dose of edibles or something else or whatever happens, you you might all of a sudden just realize how small you are in this world and how yeah. short your time really is. Yeah. Um, which one of the you know the Stoics you know their old school style was to you know how do I how do I be more present more in the moment more focused? This is by contemplating death. Contemplating how small we are and understanding that, you know, how much little control we have over it. How do you how yeah. do you, how do you balance out the trying to control the, your progress, your longevity, your focuses on, on progression, along with accepting that you have such limited control? Um, as as a as a finite human, I have this mental concept that we have basically three resource pools. Mm-hmm. You've got like your capital resources, you have your health. And then your ability to focus on something is kind of a correlate of those two as measured over time. So mm-hmm. we'll call it time or focus. Um, and most of our lives are trading some one of those for the other, right? You're trading time for money, trading money for time, you know, trading money for health. Um, yeah. It, those things are, well, yeah, they're talking about kind of like, the, they talk about burners, right? Where you have like four stove burners and you have your, your life, like you have your business, you have your family, you have your work, right? You maybe have your health. And really to turn up one, you've got to turn down the burners on the other ones to, yeah. to really get more out of it. Um, yeah, and it seems to be a trade-off of those things. But some people have figured out how to actually just get more fuel out of the, the, the oven to be able to turn up all the burners at the same time, which is yeah. kind of like this weird psychological demand thing that people can do. Um, have you, did you found that you had to like, you said you had these resources. Have you found that is a scarcity thing where you can only, you only have X amount of, uh, you know, uh, REMS that you can put into one focus and you had to divide that up. Or have you found a way to expand that pipe to turn it to where they all go up? For me, I found that to, you know, if if I take that model, Hmm. I found that the way to expand the pipe is by in increasing health. Hmm. By, so by kind of increasing the total amount of vitality that I have, increases the kind of amount of energy units I can expend in a given day. And then by improving the kind of the quality of one's meta-consciousness, the one you're thinking about thinking, um, I can, you can improve your kind of f- focus. Like if you, you'll, if you can be, a, you know, in mindfulness, if you can be aware that you're on Instagram for X amount of time a day, then you can reallocate that time the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, what, what makes me think about it is if I apply this into terms of gaming terminology, what it sounds like is like really um, in order to, to, to level up the other character as, um, attributes, uh, you have to first level up your health because if you can do that, you have extra points to spend um, in focus, in business, in family, in, in all these other ones because you, you've expanded your ability yeah. uh, to, uh, if you can command your health, it, it yeah. then increases because then it works on the, all the other areas. And then the other area you're talking about in terms of concepts or is, is metaconsciousness when it comes to really um, the ability to learn how you're learning, become aware of what you're doing and be able to kind of take reactive versus uh, proactive control of your life versus reactive control, right? Because you're having, because then now you can start to pick that up, which is by far easier said than done. It's like, oh, just be aware every moment of the day of every action you take and then just change it. (laughs) Yeah, right. So so the, the other thing that you can, that I have found really helpful is to layer in but use design thinking to layer in technology and change your environment so the whole load isn't on your brain. Mm-hmm. So your brain's pretty bad at this, especially for most of us. Mm-hmm. So if you change your environment, you're like, like I just bought a carafe to go on my nightstand to drink water at night. And so I could take like and water in the morning, water at night, and like to take like supplements. And like that carafe is going to be like, it's like a it's a symbol. It's a totem to take like to take the supplements and to drink water. So it's like the symbol in my environment that influences my behavior. So it's not like on my cognitive load. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, email becomes that and Asana and these other technology systems. Yeah. And then th- I try and develop a rhythm to my day so that I've got like a bookend at the end of beginning and end of my day. And 
that enables me to be in more flow in the middle of the day. That's that's the goal. And then dial it up with caffeine. Dial- <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah. We you caught out there for a second. I heard I heard dial it with caffeine, but it sounds like oh. you you're going back and forth with with basically um, what you called uh, uh, totems or or uh, uh, rhythms throughout the day, which I would call rituals or you know these kind of episodic events yeah. that happen. So you're in terms of well, a couple things with that. In, uh, you know, it sounds like you say, okay, I need to have structure so I can experience more flow. I need to be mm-hmm. able to kind of book in my day so I can control what happens in between these two markers, these pillar posts, so that I can kind yeah. of measure those sex- sections. How do you, I mean, you know, one, how do you first identify the rituals that you're going? And then, and then how do you, what's your process for instantiating new rituals that you, that you want to curate? It's a combination of um, design thinking and advice from people that are have already gone through it. Mm. Um, so the the water I read somewhere that if you drink water in the beginning of the day, uh, you know it it kind of turns your system on mm. in a, a way that's really healthy, like your gallbladder turns on or something. Yeah. And then there's these other supplements that I'm like, I know I need to take them in the morning or the evening. So I've just it's just kind of like and those some some. We learn so much, but only a few things stick with us. And so I try and like, I'm like, well, why does this idea keep coming up? I should, I should just build that into my life so that it's kind of on autopilot. Because this idea of all the things I've learned, like drinking water in the morning stuck. So, okay, well, let's <laughs> go with that. You know, I, I don't know. It's Maybe it's wrong, but... No, doing something. <laughs> no, it, it, I always feel like, yeah, when you go through like anything, anything you go through, it, it, generally speaking, you have like a cup that's so big of what you can retain and then someone dumps yeah. a gallon into your cup and then just whatever left over, you're like, well, my cup's full. I'm just going to take yeah. it over here. And that's, yep. that's, that, no, that's important also not to beat yourself up because you didn't, you weren't able to retain the entire gallon, right? You didn't, you weren't, you know, didn't shame yourself for, I didn't take an entire gallon. I got a cup and that cup I'm taking with me and now it's on with me for the journey, which is so awesome. You keep uh, one thing you bring up, and I'd like to dig into a little bit more is design thinking. What does design thinking mean to you, and how do you incorporate it into these rituals and patterns? Thinking about the way something unfolds in a in a either in our space or in our mind or in a, a process, and then finding what levers you can get on it to change it. Um, it's. I don't. I, I'm probably someone who's actually trained as a. De- I had a lot of friends around me that mm. were designers. That really, like, mm. infused this thinking into me. But I can't. I never like studied it or anything. But yeah. I just know that. I know that I'm like, well, it. There's a way to change. The way the thing unfolds that just works for me. I, I guess. Yeah. No. Well, it's one of those things, especially if you haven't been like. Um, classically trained as they would say well i i use you know co- co-creation designer or whatever the thing might be but you, you've yeah. gotten it because you've seen people do it which is the number one way that we all learn is we watch yeah. we watch other people we get these mirror neurons it starts to kind of slowly over time integrate into our systems and then now yeah. all of a sudden you just know it but you know it it's like it's like where did you where did you learn about world war ii you're like i don't know i learned it yeah. somewhere and now exactly. it's now it's in me so that that makes a ton of sense i was just curious when you're talking because there's always people have different mental models and they describe things in certain ways which means something to them differently and it's always nice to kind of you know explain that point so you know do you have a a ritual about changing your rituals around like do you do like a reflective period like once a week yeah. or something like that how do you know that you're on track off track with these things that you want to basically first identify through awareness and then instantiate yeah. over time yeah i think there's um i think it's really helpful to just reflect on one's life mm-hmm. um I, you know i think most successful people reflect on how things are going pretty regularly. You know, what's working in business, what's not, what's working in my relationships, what's not. You're kind of going through the, there's so much about being an adult that you just have to like have a, a framework to, to analyze this stuff, right? Like how's mm. my own, how is my, how is the, the body that is Adam Goyer working? Well, these things are working pretty good. We should change these things. How's the family life system working? Well, we should, we need to get some titles to what these family systems are called and we should adjust the one called relationship and show more love to the girlfriend. Like, you know, like that's like, 
you got to kind of just figure something out that works for you. <laughs> there's some there's some good maps out there mm-hmm. in the wisdom literature and writing and having good coaches, but but part of the goal of being an effective human, I think, is just figuring out a worldview that is functional. You know? Yeah, yeah. The, the challenge and the joy to this whole game of life thing is the fact is that nobody gives you your own rule book and you've got to make it along the way and you've got to be able to yeah. define it and use it and reflect on it. Otherwise, if you don't and you don't acknowledge it and you don't review back at it, you don't realize that you're missing the marks that you never set. And so you're going through these stages and you're just like, oh, what about this? Oh, what about this? And it's and that 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 awareness trick is 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 super uh, critical and difficult to actually be able to pin down to be able to say, okay, successful people do this because they can reflect back and lay it forward, which is, you know, what I say the difficult thing. It's very difficult to be the dungeon master and the player in life, and so it's right, hard. Yeah. It's hard to a and b that thing together, which is, you know, that it takes a certain amount of weight. It's funny because you talked about it, uh, focus over time, which is uh, it's like accountability, consistency kind of thing, which is that. The, the secret ingredient to how do you plan the future and then keep on that course because otherwise that lazy monkey inside you like no I want to eat a whole bowl of uh, ice cream today and that's yeah. and that's and that's and that's what I want so um, you you said you got into um, like consciousness hacking and things like that can you talk to me a little bit about um, your thoughts around consciousness hacking and sure. the, the and the benefits of it yeah. Consciousness Hacking is a is a organization that was kind of founded by a, a friend and colleague, Mikey Siegel, some years ago. It's kind of planted a flag. He said, hey, I, this is a thing I think we should do. And it just kind of resonated with a lot of people. It's kind of a, a cultural movement. And then recently they really, it was it had kind of struggled to find its legs for a while, I think, because no one was really willing to talk about the elephant in the room, which was psychedelics. Mm-hmm. And then once they said, okay, you know, gloves are off. We're going to officially talk about psychedelics. And they actually had a conference in San Francisco that was like integrating psychedelics, technology, and meditation. And just, it really kind of galvanized. Um, once I had a breakthrough when I realized that there was just a different way to experience living. Mm. Like, like your entire life, you know, you're a, you're a human, you've got five fingers and you're experiencing life one way and then you experience living some other way. And, and it's like, well, if that's possible, then what else can po- is possible? You know, you can if you can change, you realize you're capable of changing the way you are and it just opens up a Dude. whole world of possibilities. Well, that's super. Yeah, the thing is, first of all, is, is getting that mind. What what your sounds like you're reflecting on is there was a pivotal moment that you switched from kind of a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. That you had a yeah. kind of a, a momentary experience, but but it's one thing to say that; it's another thing to integratively believe it and then apply it to one's own life path and consistency over time. Yeah. What was that moment for you? Can you describe that moment where you gained that belief, that insight, and like how did that shift your mindset? It's been multiple deepenings right mm-hmm. it started right there on that on that mountain on that burned out mountaintop mm-hmm. but the first time i experienced mdma was another one of those like deepening moments um like i had i was just kind of down and turned inward and kind of glum and i was at this festival and it's actually lightning in a bottle and we are everyone in lightning in a bottle the way it's set up you have to walk across these bridges they're two-way bridges like big suspension bridges and everybody high fives each other as they're walking down these bridges because they're walking in a two-lane uh you know park yeah and i'm like i don't get it why do people high high five each other and then i i experienced mdma and i was high-fiving people and as I walked across these bridges, I was like, I like who I am better right now. I want to be the kind of person that high fives other people. It's like, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And so, so, but that was, it was like, I had this realization that the entity Adam Goyer, the person who, who is, identifies as Adam Goyer, can be a different way. Mm. And then so when I, when I was back to being, you know, sober reality, consensus reality, I was like, 
I'm going to high five someone as I'm walking on the bridge the next day. Right. And I did. It was great. <laughs> so like you realize that you, this, this person who you are is more malleable than you think, mm. right? You can experience yourself in different states mm-hmm. and it's easier to go back there. I find the same thing when I'm like in meditation, if like meditating while on cannabis or meditating um, with a, you know, a bit of mushrooms or something else, you can, you can find your way into an expansive state. Like I never would have understood how valuable meditation was until I tried it with a little bit of like cannabis. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, this is why people spend 40 years training to do this. And for me, when I go back to meditate, I can find my way into those deeper spaces much easier, even just totally, totally sober. Um, so that's been that's the path for me that has been really helpful. So it's interesting. So it's almost like you're using your... Um consciousness hacking you're using psychedelics as kind of a um a trailblazer on a kind of a neuron path to your brain to be able to find a unique spot that you want to be yeah. able to achieve because it's got extra rocket fuel slapped onto your back of your consciousness and it just like, blasts you into it um yeah. which is there's generally a lot of resistance when people say oh i don't like doing that type of stuff because when i do it i get all this anxiety and all this energy it sounds like they're getting the, the fear that energy in front of them that balloons up so big that it becomes inaction sure. which you take that kind of that energy that it gives you and you put it behind you as rocket fuel to propel you to where you want to go well the there's two things that yeah i mean one i'm they're trying to set a, a more intention of it mm-hmm. but also you can do it with a much smaller dose you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't, if you're, if you're, so if your goal is to, to, it's like, it's, I think of it like altitude, right? If you're, this is ground and you want to go way high, that's, that's one thing. But if you want to figure out how to navigate closer to the ground, just go up a little bit. And like mushrooms, it's pretty, I think it's pretty clear that like they have a kind of a neurogenesis effect. Mm -hmm. They cause the neuron to grow new synapses and connections. Um, And then there's a saying in neurology, neurons that fire together, wire together. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, once that map is set, if there's kind of been a neurological connection made, then you can kind of trace back that, that neuro connection. Mm -hmm. Um, Super interesting. In, in terms of like the neurology of it um, and the, the neurotech, the neurogenesis and, and all, all syncing together, I mean, do you feel, I mean, do you see like um, any type of science or, or support or things like that that cannot use, you're using technology to identify those neuropathways or those types of consciousness states? And, and, and how have you seen uh, technology, at, whether it's neurotech or something else, um, be a synergistic relationship to these other types of technology technologies, whether plant medicine or otherwise. Yeah, um, you could. There's some really interesting work that has come out of the lab. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, what I've seen is a lot of the consumer technology doesn't quite have a high enough accuracy or precision to be particularly meaningful. And when it does, it's really hard to find someone that can re- that can interpret the information meaningfully. Um, you know, that's a that's a specialized skill set that is just kind of beyond the scope of a lot of the consumer technology that's available. Mm. Unfortunately, it's not it's not uh, Elon Musk Neuralink yet, so I haven't been able to fully tap in. Do you have any, yeah. <clears throat> do you have any thoughts about Elon and his Neuralink and how that might the the future there? Those fibers, those filaments that they're putting in your, the brain are really tiny. <laughs> and I would translate tiny to fragile. Mm. So yeah. You think it could be a, a, a delicate thing unless they find some way to be able to. Uh, yeah. Okay, so they're, a, a neurologist friend of mine explained it to me that they're, I think they're like a third smaller than anything that he uses in his surgery practice. So um, that's not to say it's not, I mean, the, I will say, the people working on that team are really smart and 
extremely qualified and it's a very well-funded program. Yeah, it, he seemed to be able to have a, a history of turning the impossible to possible. I saw today, which I thought was really cool, there was NASA had an animated GIF video showing their plans to go to Mars, or go to, but start by start turning the, the moon into a, a, a consistent base that we spend time in. And Interesting. So they talked to they talked to this whole animated uh, thing about them shooting off this rocket, and they'd have this what they called the gate system, um, might have been called that or something similar, and it would basically orbit in this long elliptical path around the moon, and then so other satellites could basically dovetail into it, then get dropped off anywhere on the moon, and it keeps on going on its thing, and so it's crazy. It's a whole gating program because in order to do all this stuff at Mars, we need to do all the stuff at the moon, and then here's our game plan. So I'm not too sure if. Elon had a had a hand in helping that path, but it was it was interesting to see them start to you know hey, big vision, but this this is what we're doing. So, and it sure is weird to think about that we might have a you know be a multi planet species in the next hundred years. Like that's kind of mind blowing. Well, I mean, it, it is, and if you look backwards, you can see how mind blowing it is right now where we're at with so much of the technology that we've created. You know, it's just since you know nineteen twenty, right? If we've yeah. We, we have things that are seemingly superhero when we can splice DNA and the whole gamut of stuff that we're, you know, that is, that's incredibly fascinating. That sounds like science fiction, but we're constantly like, we, we it's funny because we, we create a new discovery and we just, because we can define it and just describe it, we, we just, we consider it to be mundane and acceptable. Yeah. You know, AI chat bots and, you know, send off your DNA to 23andMe. You're like, oh, I just, I just swab it. Yeah, so I break down my entire genine, uh, uh, genetic comb. Oh, yeah, I can go and pull out fat and turn it into stem cells and inject yeah. it back in me. It's crazy. It, it, it's, it's, and though I'm, human, humanity is at this turning point right now where on the one hand we're doing, you know, mapping the genome and mm-hmm. splicing genes and creating gene drives that, you know, could, you know, wipe out mosquitoes and malaria but on the other hand like the entire planet is being held hostage by a by a covid virus you know and like and we are like oh no one ever thought to actually really understand how that works so we're just gonna put the whole planet into lockdown seize up the economy and um and then you know there's all these other like cultural malignancies like you know like police brutality that are just it's like how did we not how did no one think to fix this you know what I mean? Yeah. This is insane. No, I, I totally get what you're saying. There's a quote, and I can't remember who it says, but something around the lines is that technology is a, ra- a race between utopia and disaster. And, yeah. And, you know, you look at this, you know, we've evolved as a species. We've created technologies and we've collaborated with technologies to really get the leg up against other, you know, human teams and the planet as a whole. And so we've we've been able to do a, a great job at that, which has produced value. But there's been... Uh, trade-offs, right? There's all these trade-offs, right? Like if you want, you want to level up yourself. There's a trade-off. You have to, you have to let one identity die and embrace yeah. another one. The only issue is that there's certain identities, uh, whether they're uh, geopolitical or you know cultural or any of those other things, that are basically that people don't want to let go of to kind of yeah. embrace the new, the new, the new thing. What do you, what do you think are some of these like cultural identities and these things that are that are, are really plaguing us that we need to have some sort of cultural identity death to be able to move forward. I think we need to let go of the idea that we're our identity either as individuals or as a culture is stagnant or stasis. Like we are a, we are a process that's unfolding, you know, a process of thoughts and, if we can allow ourselves to evolve, I think it would be a lot easier. But that's a hard thing to do unless you've kind of, it takes a certain level of kind of, there's these cognitive systems that build on each other. Perception and, you know, the ego and then understanding other people's perspective and understanding multiple perspectives at the same time it takes a pretty high amount of cognitive development to get to this point where we're in order to solve the problems we're facing right now, we need to solve them as systems of systems. And it just takes a lot of cognitive loan that that's, that's putting a burden on our brains, you know? 
So how do we get more people to understand how to solve systems of systems? Uh, I don't know. Meditation. <laughs> Any guess as good as mine. I don't know. It's a, it's, a, it's a difficult one, right? Because we all feel this. And if you look at the the natural contrasting of what humans do, we had this this the global contraction. Everybody go in your room, separate, divide, be safe, protect protect yourselves by isolation, right? Mm-hmm. And then there was this injustice, and now there's this great expansion, protests, riots, yeah. justice, demands, you know. It's, and so there's there's this this counterbalance, but you know, it, it's it's one of the greatest challenges I see, and I'm trying, I'm always fascinated, is how do you progressively make progress forward without beating up other people or your past identities yeah. along this path? Do you know what I'm saying? I have an idea. I have an idea. So I, mm-hmm. I think about when I, I think about when problems changes like this emerge. I think about okay, what's now? Mm-hmm. You know, protests, peaceful protests, violent protests, response, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What's next? And the thing about thinking about what's next is you can kind of you can start to lay the track for you know how these narratives are going to sh- going to going to show going to move. If you remove, now I'm all biased on this, but if you remove the war on drugs, like take that peg mm-hmm. off the off the map. Mm-hmm. By removing the war on drugs, the policing of, you know, urban black neighborhoods and Latino and minority neighborhoods, policing and across the country shifts dramatically. The way resources get allocated. The way you know young kids are getting shaken down by the police, like boom, 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 boom. So that shifts a lot, and it opened up opens up other pathways, like you know, doing MDMA facilitated healing circles between you know, you know, with police and you know, and minorities or something. So there's 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 these things that you can't. It's hard to legislate, be a better cop, but you can, it can be done, but it's hard, but Mm -hmm. you might be able to make other structural changes that have less resistance, Mm -hmm. like reallocate the way resources are distributed within a police force from narcotics to community policing, you know, and the court systems all follow suit, boom, 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 that could really... I'm looking for what's the what's the legislative change you can make that has the maximum vein, gain with the least resistance. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I know what you're saying. It, well, it's almost like you know, police they have great power, right? And because of that, you know, the power does what power wants to do is for the most part. And so, in order to try to first get them to align one of the first things they well not first things but the most recent things they did was you know the most transparency so they have little lapel cop cameras and things like that to say look we're constantly recording all the time but again it's it's almost like oh it's turning them off yes here you, you're identifying the thing right and so okay well transparency we'll share this right and then all of a sudden yeah, yeah they're finding ways to hack the system so they're not in full alignment so then how do you yeah. how do you shift that value set and in, in terms of and it sounds like uh, you know one of the the, the big moving um, focuses that people have had right now is around this whole Black Lives Matter protest is defund the cops and reallocate those resources into community building services and applications, right? And then yeah. how do you how do you turn a uh, a cop um, into that kind of that um, they're more they're now more like a community member, you know, uh, uh, half half therapist, half teacher that uh, that helps helps these kids sees them and instead of yeah. you know, goes and punishes them. You know, it sounds like they might need some tools or resources and ways because their current resources are a uh, pepper spray, uh, yeah. a jail cell, uh, right. uh, uh, t- you know, t- punishment. Right? There's not a yeah. lot of that I know of anything that are really um, uh, that is a tool belt that the cop can pull out that is really like. You know, here's a reward for being a good kid. Hey, I saw you right. helping Timmy down the street. There's no, there's no mechanisms that they have that can help instill a a, a positive sensations. Because when most people think about cops, they go ah cops, right? Versus you think of a firefighter, no one goes oh no a firefighter. They're not worried about that firefighter because the firefighter is only there to put out the fire, right? They don't, they're not, yeah. they're not there to be a cop. Is there? Oh, they might take me away, and they might, may worse than that is unfairly be taken away. You know, sure. unjust being removed so how do you how do you empower you know these police officers um not only with the mindsets and the values but with, with tools 
that would help. So I, Go for it. I have a question for you because mm. you're you're really into gamification, right? Mm -hmm. How do you how do you gamify being a good cop and or how do you gamify being a good citizen? Whichever whichever way you want to take it. Um. Gosh. Without turning into China. And, yeah. You know, you, <laughs> See, and everyone we, gets uh, points and you help old ladies cross the street. You lose your privileges if this happens. Well, it sounds like to me what it would what it, what it feel like is um, it would be integrating the cops to be part of the community again. Right right now, there is such a just basically a, de a detachment as cops are. Um, from the community because it's, it's adversarial, right? It's not that's right. Jim, uh, he's married to Sarah or Bob or whoever, and he and that he's a cop. He lives down the street. He's got three kids. I know who he is. I know what he's about. It's just I'm a cop. This is my beat. I patrol this. I keep this safe, and I keep it, you know, from criminals and rapists and you know all these bad people. Versus I'm Jim. This is my community. This is my beat. You guys all know where I live. I know where you all live. We're all in this together. It's like it's that anonymity and that other teamness that creates it. So if you can find a way to reintegrate and gamify that community, I am a cop, a part of this community, um, because that, that if he was a part of the community, if we had to go to the same church, the same the same same cultural center where we did the same activities, and I had to look you in the face, I wouldn't I wouldn't hurt your son. I wouldn't hurt your daughter. You know, I wouldn't, and, yeah. and you know, so I feel it has to be something around that community integrations where you have you feel that natural monkey socialness to you know not be a bad person, you know, and 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 hide an amenity with cutting off your uh, your lapel cam or something, so yeah, something like that. Uh, but again, it's it probably way easier said than actually executed on. Um, but I feel like that's where we 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 used a lot of this technology to build scale structure but in scaling the structure we disconnected our communities right so mm -hmm. you know you know question for you is i mean have you seen anything around uh you know consciousness hacking or any of these other types of technologies that reconnect people into kind of uh, either a digital community or some other type of like community format yeah i mean certainly social media has not seemed to done us as many favors as we thought it would in all of this right this kind of created people to be more polarized and, 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 and so I was, I was raised in a religious environment, although I no longer think of myself in that way. But one of the things that was really valuable was you went to church every Sunday and there were, you saw the same people and it was, you know, not unlike an office environment, you didn't have any agenda with these people, right? But you, for me, it was, you know, two, I think a church had 300 people in it or something, 350 on a regular Sunday. So you'd see like 350 of the same people every week as a kid all growing up. Mm. And that was really, really powerful. Um, and I'm not, I'm not like advocating going back to church just for community, but like where else in our society are we getting that kind of community where there's that level of consistency among people that you don't have an agenda with? I don't, there's not a replacement that I'm aware of. Well, yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, it's an automatic gamification of life. You have this religion, follow these roles. If you right. do, then you are this person and, yeah. and you then identify. And then if you are not, you know, then you, 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 if you try to communicate, like imagine someone has completely different religious beliefs showing up to the same church going, yeah. you know, I'm playing dodgeball. And the other one goes like, I'm playing football. You're right. just going to collide with each other and you're gonna, not going to feel like you're on the same page. So, I mean, I'd imagine that being, you know, probably one of the first primary technologies that came out that created us to band together was us all believing in the same right. thing thing. But right. yeah, but there's definitely powerful. It's funny. It's like with any tech, with any community, with anybody, you're like this session would be great, except for this one thing over here. That that's really, you know, yeah. I, I think for the most part, I mean, there's a, I have a lot of friends that are also cops that are really good guys that went and they, they went and they got the job because they are good guys or stand up yeah. people. They were the guys that didn't allow bullying a part of their community and they yeah. signed up for that. And then someone quote unquote on their team does something horrendous, right? Yeah. And like, man, you ruined it for everybody. Yeah, you know? co-ops and the whole thing. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, how do you, how do you like, you know, I, I feel like it shouldn't be a, it shouldn't be like a, not this team, not this team. It should just be like a no asshole policy. Like, how do you, yeah, how sure. do you, how do you, how do you create that, you know, and, and still keep the community vibe, which is 
Um, live and let live. Yeah, it's difficult. Um, let me ask you a question. In terms of, um, I guess, the whole leveling up yourself and, and looking at you. So you're talking about different states of consciousness, different points sure. you're in. Do you think that there's certain states of consciousness that you think would be beneficial for these different people to go through to kind of expose them to uh, a different mindset, different value system? <laughs> I do. Yeah? Yeah. I was I was teasing some friends of mine. What the what the protesters need is like MDMA darts. <laughs> or like 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 this is this is a bad idea but the joke was like darts with dmt and like one minute you're a cop the next minute you're the infinite universe like <laughs> right and 20 minutes later you're back to being a cop like whoa what happened um bad idea but the the application of that is well what if you did integration circles with these this kind of chemical technologies yeah. that would enable police and 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 protesters and you know the communities they serve to you know re-experience redefine their own narrative right and but that takes a lot of trained facilitation uh, and a lot of changes and loss but something like that would i mean that's that would be a a pursuit that I think would be worth doing. Yeah, the 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 <clears throat> the only thing with with that one right there is the is the uh, involuntary uh, chuck, chuck yeah. into the universe. And that's the. I mean, yeah. really, I mean, that, the number, not, it's, Yeah, if there was if there, if there was a place where um, uh, both uh, police officers and protesters could go, um, yeah. where they both sign them to go. Look, I seek to understand myself and the other, right? Whatever that yeah. might be. And they could do it in a judgment-free environment, a place where they yeah. wouldn't lose their job, they wouldn't lose um, reputation, a part of the community, they wouldn't lose, you know, uh, that stuff. And they could go to, you know, expand their consciousness and go and come back to be a more peaceful, loving, connected person. It would be, it'd be beautiful and wonderful. That yeah. the challenge is, there's so much friction and abrasion, and, and like uh, a lot of the systems currently that are set up that go like, if you do this. Um, then you will be punished. You'll be deemed a, a degenerate or whatever that thing might yeah. be, and that's that's the hard part. But if you if you could curate that kind of system, you know, yeah, it would be a definitely a, a new a new reality for everybody. The global yeah. reset, just <laughs> yeah. You, I mean, you have to you have to you have to change the laws and change a bunch of systems. That's the hard part about it. But that's the thing about you know things that are worth doing is sometimes they're really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Have you had like, I mean, has there been a moment for you, um, besides that initial one you're talking about where you, you had to let go of your current self to, to, to find your new self? Has there been a moment where you didn't think you could and then it seemed like the worst moment possible and then turned out to be one of the best things for you? I mean, yes, there was, there were a number of those for sure. There's like probably multiple versions of Adam Goyer that we could kind of classify. Now, I was, I was very Christian up through college, mm-hmm. you know, chapel. I went to Christian junior high, high school and college chapel three times a week. Like, you know, most likely devoted, most likely to become a pastor kind of kid. And then I had a really tragic, uh, mar- marriage and divorce straight out of college, which, and I, but that combined with kind of the mystical experience I had between high school and college, um, forced me to start questioning the worldview that I had inherited. So there was, there was, that was absolutely, I mean, emotionally painful. I couldn't figure out like which way was up for a while. Mm. Um, but then coming yeah. out of that, I, I re I had learned the tools of remaking my own mind and my own existence. Right. And shaping my worldview to match reality. And I, set me off on a pursuit to build a worldview that was more alignment in alignment with the reality I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I mean, from there we could, there's kind of hills and valleys as the, as the progression has changed. Uh, but it's been a kind of a continually unfolding um, from that point. Yeah. So especially, you know, you had a certain set of values and standards and, um, breaking away from that whole community and everything it, you, you describe it really well kind of spinning right because there's no yeah. there is no community there's no group there's everything that you thought you believed and you knew as to be true deep down yeah. was not it and then you spun until you said okay I'm going to actively grab control of what I hold to be true which is 
it's it's difficult to to and and thankfully I, I i latched on to kind of what's good true and beautiful but there are some people that go through that same process and they just they spin out into to you know drugs hedonism self-destruction and like just self-indulgent you know suffering well yeah the the nihilistic perspective that nothing means anything so what does it matter i'll do yeah. I'll, I'll do whatever base desire that comes to my mind because it doesn't matter yeah but, but then the challenge is yeah, yeah i mean that's the whole thing we we play this game of life and it's all about the choice you know what do you choose do you you know if you're because you've got to what you the thing with the whether it's the cops or the protesters or your own life it's like you have this you have these choices that you make every day, every time, every moment that says, do you, do you choose the life of suffering and growth or do you choose a life of comfort and, you know, you know, contraction? And that's, yeah. it's a, it's a difficult uh, challenge because it's, it's everyone's choice. What, um, for you, like how, what do you do uh, like on the daily or weekly to remind yourself to take that better choice? Somewhere along the way, I decided what I was going to stand for. And it was, you know, it's some variant of just reduce suffering in the world for the most people possible. Um, Or, I mean, that's really kind of how I think about it. Like, what choices can I make that will reduce the most amount of suffering? Because I, there was a point where I'm like, well, nothing matters. Like, well, that's not really helpful. Like, I'm not going to feel sad. Like, I'm not going to feel good waking up thinking nothing matters. Sure, someday this I'll probably die and that'll be that. And other people will die along the way and, and like, oh, nothing, nothing matters. Like, well, that doesn't solve anything, really. Mm. Um, you know, so I'm like, well, okay, I'll start it by reducing my own suffering. And we'll look at what's going to, I'm like, okay, well, I'm I'm doing pretty good. Now I can say, okay, well, what choices can I make that will reduce the suffering of others? Mm. And that's just, it just seems to be a pretty satisfying way to live. (laughs) 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 Like, all right, what choices can I make where I I need money to do that? Okay, well, how can I make money and reduce the suffering of others? Okay, I can choose a path where I'm not going to make money just to make money. I'm going to choose, I'll need a certain set of skills to do that. Okay, well, all right, that's good. And it seems to attract people into my lives. So then there's positive reinforcement for that decision, right? Mm. By choosing to reduce suffering, I meet people like you. Like, well, yeah. that's working. Okay, check, <laughs> like positive reinforcement. You know, it's like, like you'd make a choice and like some like totally nihilistic asshole comes into your life. Like, well, maybe I'm going to rethink that choice next time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you're totally right. You're talking about like reflecting back and you're like, okay, this is where I am right now. And you look down and say, okay, what got me here? And you can see that you, you, by, by you standing for something, you put out a beacon, right? You resonate with an yeah. energy and a, and a vibration that you, the other people are like, I agree, right? And and the people yeah. that don't, you know, there's, I'm sure there's a certain set of people that would hear you out and go, I don't resonate. And they, and, you know, so you're attracting more of that. The, the trick is to find that truth for you and then and then broadcast that truth to, to everybody around you, which is sometimes a, a difficult, a scary ego death kind of thing. And and it may and back to like this whole thing about work and productivity, it makes that a lot easier too, right? Because mm-hmm. you're like, if you're trying to like find the the force to push through something that's difficult, if it like like it might you might get pushed back on just like the first few layers of like your just pure will, mm-hmm. but like if it starts to like grind against like the core character traits that you've set up as like your most valuable traits, you know, that have the kind of the most positive reinforcement around them. It's just easier to push through on a thing. Um, Someone has probably said that a much better way. I'll go look that up. I mean, all these concepts are are, are things that, you know, it's a man's, uh, the history of man, women, of all searching for this whole, as we're talking about existential inks, what's the point? Why am I here? Does it matter? Does it not matter? How can I do the things that I need to do for me and not feel like a terrible human being by stepping on people along the way? Cause it just doesn't feel good. Um, which, which totally makes a ton of sense. 
It's just, you know, it, we're all constantly rediscovering this. And there'll be a new generation behind us who have, instead of them, you know, going and getting lucky and talking with a, a, a Buddhist monastery guy, they can just listen to Jay Shetty on Instagram all day long and be like, wow, you know, you know, thoughts from the universe just downloaded into my pocket. Right. Yeah. Um, do you, what, is there anything unusual that you do on a daily, weekly basis that brings you joy? Things that, that, that might be either uncommon or something that you really, um, embrace as a positive joy filled activity. Um, I work a lot and Brianne, my fiance and I were just describe saying that Basically, all through the quarantine, we've hardly done any recreational things. We've just worked and worked and worked and worked. And that's not great. So, and also with the layers of stress between the pandemic and and all this other stuff that's going on, just it's been hard to get down to like a normal baseline of relaxation. Mm-hmm. So I actually just went recently and um, got a prescription for, for ketamine. And I'm really looking forward to meditating on a low dose of ketamine. You can get a prescription as a way for that? to like. You can get a prescription for that, huh? Yeah. Okay, so, but please continue. It's a it's a scheduled it is it's I think it's a schedule two controlled substance. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know the doctor writes a script in triplicate, and it's a it's a you know legal legally available controlled substance that's compounded at a compounding pharmacy. But yeah, so. so so you're going to, uh, so, brings joy. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Again, it's like, um, there's a whole protocol for it and everything, but some music, some eye blinders, meditation. And it's like, it's kind of, it's like scrubbing the neurons clean. And there's a whole neurochemical background for why, why it works. That's outside of my scope to explain on a podcast, but you can you kind of come out of that space feeling really refreshed and um, it makes it easier to have perspective on your own life and then make the adjustments you need to make. Mm. Um, and it's it's a very pleasant experience generally as well, you know, depending on set setting consciousness, you know, development, all that stuff. Do you, do you have a process for integrating the the things gleaned? I mean, sometimes when you're in that state, it's like you know, uh, uh, you're strapped to a rocket, you know, going yeah. through a, a wormhole. And so, yeah. Again, so for me, like I'm, I'm, I like the lower doses, mm. you know, because um, I'm not trying. Like I've had the experience where I blew my ego out mm-hmm. like where I strapped onto the rocket and just got manhandled some really negative dark hard trips I had to grapple with mm-hmm. um so again this is not a recommendation for for everybody or even anyone like the, like consult your doctor consult your life coach consult your therapist all of the above you know um but for me, the, the the lower doses, there's kind of because I, I have a history of meditation. I have I have these other disciplines in my life that are foundational to get into these kind of uh, not esoteric, but um, you know, exorcist spaces. Mm-hmm. You know, the the non-standard consensus reality spaces. I already have those doors where I've built the pathways to get in there neurologically, and and I know how to get there. It just takes a little bit of a bump. To kind of get into that space, mm-hmm. um, so it's it's just. I don't, did I, I'm not sure if I answered the question. Well, you did in terms of one. You talked about getting into the space. What I was asking about was actually how do you? And you talked about the. Oh, the question was how do you how do you integrate the lessons so, learned back into it? And you said you don't go as yeah. strong. So. So by by taking a a a more a lower dose, you can still write. Mm-hmm. You can still like. You can, you know, if you can, you can lean over and make, give yourself an audio note mm-hmm. and then just review that afterwards journal, like all this. I mean, I guess it's not that stuff you should one one should do if they're in, in this kind of practice, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, you know, a little, some either art or drawing or sketching. Um, I have like a section on my, uh, on my iPad pro mm-hmm. where I like, I put like the more esoteric philosophical thoughts and I've, some of the things that have certain themes have cut, 
come up consistently over the course of like 10 years. Like I look back 10 years and the things I was just starting to identify then as I'm like, biotech's gonna be really important. Whatever I do is gonna take capital, you know, machine learning is gonna be the future. Like these are these are my first understanding of these concepts came from reading, you know, reading books then mm-hmm. and then reflecting on it with like a little bit of cannabis and then writing it out. Mm-hmm. And those themes that emerged over 10 years ago have almost become to define who I am today, my career, the opportunities I have in the world. But like, I'm not sure I would have picked up on it if I wasn't engaging in these kind of these practices, these rituals to try and identify what was going to be important in the world in my own future and for society as a whole. Mm. So it's almost like you're using these these mechanisms to kind of gleam insights to the universe, uh, have a conversation with yourself, really understand yourself. And then you're using sounds like audio notes, journaling practices and other types of uh, those types of rituals to kind of yeah. say, OK, these are this is what I got from the trip. And then you're taking them and you're journaling about it, which then kind of it sounds like it's now putting it in your brain to where you can. Right. Pick yeah. up on and, then it. I'm, and then I'm building a yeah strategic map to apply it. Mm. Um, and yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, so, I mean, with that, let me ask you, we, it sounds like there's a, if there's a toolkit of abilities, you know, one is the reflective state, the other one is the ability to integrate it. I mean, do you have any, so do you have journaling rituals or do you have any, any things that you hold sacred? Like you said, you sound like you had a, 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 a book of philosophy quotes. Is there things that you're like, this is, this is my sacred stuff that I use to keep in alignment? I honestly wish I was much more disciplined about all this Mm. it is um like i have a toolbox that i that i go to Mm. but it's not as refined as i would like it to be Mm. um certain things come in and out based on what's what's available Mm -hmm. but to the point of trying to refine it brianne my fiance and i have just made a commitment to do 30 days of yoga. Every morning, we're gonna get up and do a Ashtanga yoga specifically as a ritual, cool. which um, means we're gonna be waking up at the same time, means we'll have to go to sleep at the same time, and you know we'll have this morning exercise routine to help you know this COVID-19, put on 19 pounds at least during COVID. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, it's gonna be, it's, I'm, I am so excited about that. I've been wanting, I've been trying, I've tried to do it on my own, multiple times and and failed mm-hmm. and but Brianne and I have this magic thing that happens you know Brianne's a life hack times a thousand for me every skill that I have that's strategic and conceptual she is like practical and execution oriented so so I partner with her to get things done <laughs> so I'm so excited to take this on with her and um and I know I can rely on her a little bit to like, we're going to, I'm confident we're going to get through it this time. And that I think will be really set us up to do it again the next time. Um, so, so she's, she's your, your, your player number two in life in your battle buddy yeah. in the sense of you're yeah. like, Hey, look, here's, here's the thing I want to get to. This is going to, this is going to raise up my, 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 my health points that well, they're going to then be able to distribute wherever we want. Exactly. And so, you know, will you come with me on this journey so we yeah. can both get more points? So we got more points to spend so we can really enjoy this. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. beautiful. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Is that, is that like in terms of, you had like shared common interests um, uh, with uh, Brianna. Is it is it is it growth? Is it spirituality? Or what? How do you how do you how does your Venn diagrams of personality sync up? Yeah, you know it's it's funny. Uh, just if you looked at us just at like a a pretty high level, that you would say eh, maybe there's not so much in common. But um, we're both when it, if you really get down to it, we're both pretty like corporate business oriented. Like mm. like. We just work and work and work and work. And like, we, we kind of dig it, you know? Yeah. Um, we're both, like she's on the on a number of, you know, she works for a number of nonprofits. She works for a nonprofit as, at LACMA, the museum. Mm, cool. And then also has, um, you know, other nonprofits that she that she is on the board of or advisor board for, like Dress for Success, which is, uh, you know, helps clothe women, uh, minority women. 
like four professional jobs. Like when you get you get their first job, um, they dress them for the job and help them do their resume and professional coaching. Like if you like if you're coming out of a yeah, do you understand? I completely understand. Yeah, yeah. It was just making me when I the, you saw the quizzical look on my face. It was actually what it, it sounds like. I don't mean to cut you off, and please continue. Is it, it around that there's a you have a very uh, unique value set that are both in uh, uh, alignment, which is reducing suffer of others. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's super interesting. It is really. It really is really sweet, and we we come at it from totally different perspectives, which is one of the reason that we work. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, you, same problem, different strategies to get up the mountain. And so yeah. you're basically mountaineering together to try to overcome yeah. at least this, this yoga beast for, for a little while and then yeah. <laughs> get past it. That sounds so fun. Yeah, cultivating and growing with a significant other is so, super important. You get, it, it brings you that, that energy, that excitement of a new task. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you feel that you have like childlike wonder with? Is there something that you think about that kind of like makes you feel like a child running out and playing? Is there something? Come that... on, that's such a that's such a setup question. I mean, oh. that's the thing that psychedelics did for me was re <laughs> was open up. I, sh- the... I, I wasn't thinking about that, but yeah, please continue. Well, I mean, it's... no, I mean, yeah. So to, I don't know. It, it's so much of life is like we're like okay, science, we understand it. You know, rain falls because clouds condense and, you know, moisture generates in the air and the sun, you know, the earth goes around the sun, uh, you know, like we understand it. And then you have you experience psychedelics and all of a sudden, like there's this experience of wonder and magic that's reinfused into the world. And you're like, whoa, I actually don't understand anything. That's amazing. You know, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's really cool. No, completely. You're taking off kind of this. Well, uh, we wear different masks, right? One mask is I, I am a business owner. I run, I run a business, and this is what I need to do. Another one is I need to get my body yoga things. And it feels like when you're, when you're the psychedelic sections, you take off all the masks and you run around like a three-year-old naked jaybird through the, <laughs> through yeah. the streets. No. It really, there is a, there is a, one of the things it does seem to do is we return you to that state of childlike wonder. Hmm. Like, like if sometimes if you're on a like psychedelics, like you can look at a flower. And realize you, you both know nothing about the flower, and like, like there's a, like you're like, it's like you're seeing the flower for the first time again. Mm. You know, yeah. that's a pretty common experience. Yeah, it's that sense of novelty, that new novelty, yeah. looking at the, looking at old things. The, um, do you have like, um, I mean, talking about reducing suffering and all this. I mean, do you have like, um, like a holy grail, like a like a like a you know, because that sounds like the the like the like the general like strategy to reduce yeah. suffering. Is there like an end game holy gravel thing that you know that you've you've been able to claim your flag in something? Yeah, the the holy grail that I started this journey with, and I'm not sure I'm going to end it with the same thing, was like a a, a brain computer interface. So that we could interface with with AI and and in and improve our own capacities. It's kind of a, a centaur between human and machine. Um, as things are emerging, I'm not sure that will reduce suffering at all. I think we might crank our suffering up to two that two hundred thousand. You know, mm-hmm. we could really mess this thing up in a really serious way, yeah. and we might you know those of us that are left might look on this these days as the good old days. Oh man! So I don't know how we're going to avoid that fate but um i hope the right people are in the room when that decision is made what advice would you give to a a, a young hero um possible psychonaut or just anybody just on this journey of self-discovery that hasn't gone through what you've gone through yet what what you know advice would you give to them you know walking on this path fine so Early on, I when I identified that that thing I identified about health and biotech being important. Because I identified that, I started surrounding myself with like doctors. Like I have a lot of friends that are doctors now, and so by surrounding myself with kind of kind doctors, mm-hmm. they've been they've educated me on safety and efficacy and 
all these other things to kind of have a more robust, resilient, both worldview, but, you know, to be able to navigate these spaces safely and coherently. And same with, you know, lawyers and, you know, help helping to understand risks and rewards and all these things. So I guess surround yourself with people that are competent and kind that can, you know, help you navigate the world, um, whatever it is you're undertaking. Uh, Cause it's, there is nothing worth doing that you can do alone. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty convinced of that. Love it. Awesome, Adam. And, um, you know, thank you so much for your time. If people want to be able to reach out to you, get a hold of you, how do they connect? Um, at Adam Goyer on Twitter is probably optimal. Okay, awesome. Yeah, and we've got the the for-profit company is the Lotus Oak Venture Studio, and um, the nonprofit's coming online at lotusoak.org. That's the Lotus Oak Foundation, and we're we're committed to um, you know supporting underfunded research and making the world a better place. Beautiful, Adam. Thank you so much for your time, brother. I, I appreciate it. Absolutely. Look forward to catching you soon. Cheers. Absolutely. Bye. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you have any comments, suggestions, or feedback on how to improve the podcast, I would cherish that. Please give me an email or shout out at dylan at heroesofreality.com. That's D-Y-L-A-N at heroesofreality.com. Stay strong, young adventurers. Until next time.